With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny here. Just wanted to let y'all know that uh, we had some technical difficulties that impacted uh, the recording of tonight's show, so it's going to sound a little bit different than uh, you're accustomed to, but uh, definitely stick around because it's a uh, fantastic show. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blade Homers and Podcast, part of Sooner Sports Radio on the Vsporto Network. It's Red River Showdown Shootout Rivalry Week. And, uh, you know, we do this every year to uh, get the Texas perspective on things. Uh, welcome on my good friend, host of uh, Highly Questionable and uh, The Right Time on ESPN Radio, Bomani Jones. Bo, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm all good. You know, making it through the hurricane, I was both away from off the map. But as we record this, it's not even raining like I'm standing outside. Jeez, man. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is all the coverage has been like, oh, watch out, storm of the century. But it sounds like, yeah, Miami, you guys are going to be all right. Yeah, it, it is It is the proverbial near miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm also sorry for uh, taking you away from uh, this Thursday night football game. I know how much, uh, you know, uh, Blaine Gabbert and Drew Stanton probably, uh, you know. You, you know oh, you're Yeah, I know, man. I feel like all those big world people are like, you're still getting fooled by this Blaine Gabbert thing, huh? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, he had those, well, of course, like, you know, he, he balled out for, like, you know, that one game against OU. And then otherwise, man, yeah. it, he made his money, right. man. But uh, anyway, man, how's everything going to, in, in, in uh, the Texas neck of the woods, man? It seems like it's been uh, awfully tumultuous this week. Yeah, you know, try to run the go jump again. <laughs> you know, one form or another. No, I think this time, perhaps more than any other, he's a bit more complicit in it than he's been in the previous time that I found to be overreaction. But if you're in your third year and you look like you're turning over another coordinator, it doesn't tend to go over very well. And there are a few things more helpless than rooting for a team that can't tackle. And they got a team that can't tackle. And you think the defensive head coach, this would never be a problem. Well, I mean, I've been an Oklahoma fan for however long now, man, so I'm, I'm used to seeing teams that can't tackle, man. But, uh, yeah, man, you know, it, there, it's it, – man, it's that's been the part of this whole thing with Charlie Strong that nobody seems to be able to kind of wrap their arms around is how the defense got to look this way. Well, Ian Boyd made a very good point. Vance Bedford, when his defense has been good, they've been experienced. And it's fair to ask whether or not he's asking too much of these young guys. I mean, they have a 12-man depth chart on defense, and eight of them are sophomores this week. Eight are sophomores this week, right? I forget yeah. the number. I think it's 13 out of the 24 between offense and defense or freshmen and sophomores. So it's a really young team. So I think there's a question whether they're being asked to handle more than they can as young players. And Ian also raised the question as to whether their scheme which is a single high safety look can work in the Big 12 or not. Like, there are those questions. And I think that Charlie tried to come in and run power football and a type of defense that it's fair to ask whether you can run in this conference. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and that's one of the, the other thing, too. I mean, you know, it feels like he's never really uh, necessarily been committed to, uh, you know, what he's – well, no, pardon me. 
I do feel like he was committed to the to the idea of playing power football, and then all of a sudden he realized that's something that I'm not going to be able to do. Now, I'm not of the opinion that you, you can't run that in the Big 12. It's just not, you, you know, you have to do it right, and it's not the kind of thing where you can just kind of come in seamlessly and do it. I mean, heck, you know, even Mac tried to do that, and it was a disaster. Yeah, I think also the question that has to be asked about Charlie and the building of the staff was what value he placed on loyalty in building that staff because in many ways people tried to undercut him since he got that job. Loyalty was as valuable as anything else. Like, you take those old press conferences of Vance at Louisville and even when the Texas, you realize he's very much so loyal to Charlie and he needed people who were loyal to him, right? And so even as it goes bad with Vance, I know this had to cripple him because he needs that loyalty. And if you try to hire somebody next year, would you take the job to be Charlie Charles defense coordinator next year with some confidence he's going to keep that job? Because I would. Oh no! Yeah, exactly. I mean, heck, you know, I mean, look at what it took just to get get him get Sterling Gilbert hired to to run the offense. You know, I mean, that was the kind of thing where I mean, you know, you had not only strong but the AD, the university president on a plane flying to Tulsa to get Tulsa's offensive coordinator, who wasn't even a guy who was calling plays. After TCU's offensive coordinator, you didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I think that's one of the, that's maybe one of the, I don't know if I, I, I feel like to some extent, at some point this is, there's got to be kind of a wake-up call also, though, I think for, you know, Texas's administration and the brass there, you know. I mean, Dan Wolken wrote a piece in USA Today earlier this week that, you know, obviously, you know, uh, pissed a lot of people uh, in Texas off. But, you know, I mean, I think he raised a lot of good points about, you know, it's just it's it, the the Texas, you know, kind of athletic department has this reputation, I think, around the, the coaching kind of, you know, uh, industrial complex. So it's just kind of being a big joke. Well, the problem is there's a whole lot of people with a whole lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, there's something to be said for, being, for an athletic uh, department, say, uh, Auburn, for example, during the Bobby Loudon era. Bobby Loudon was the man in charge. Bobby Loudon made the decision. It's helpful to have one person who makes the decisions, no matter what the operation is. You want to have one person that makes the decisions. They got so many people who feel entitled to make decisions around that program that if you're the coach is this place you want to be i think texas is demonstrating itself to be a place that's very similar to alabama in the regard of okay if you're the guy to make this work you can make this amazing but my god who do you have to be to be the guy to make this work and so personality wise mac brown was absolutely the guy to make that work with all those boosters but you know there were other issues shall we say yeah 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 absolutely but you know i mean it, I think it got to the point, though, with Mac, where my guess is that was, you know, he spent the majority of his time, I feel like, probably doing that or, or doing kind of all the outward-facing stuff for the program, you know? Yeah, and Mac, Mac made some really bright calls. Like, when he first got there, he hired Georgia Mayo as his lawyer. That was absolutely <laughs> the, the ally to have. Right? Absolutely, like, 100%. Yes, absolutely. And he also, Max time there was so weird in that, okay, he lost to Oklahoma five straight years. I mean, let's be honest. Lots of things happened in that. The biggest thing that's gotten less miles fired is that they lost to Alabama for five straight years. Matt lost to Oklahoma for five straight years. But the fifth year, they went 12-1. and 
right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, all these yeah. Things, like, you know, kind of to the Cooper era in that regard. Then he came behind that with three out of four um, wins against Oklahoma, which, you know, actually five, four out of five, right? Yeah. Like four out of five wins. Yeah. Okay. And then he winds up, you know, being able to keep the job, but they won a lot of games in the 2000s, and they've never had a stretch where they consistently won a lot of games since integration, really. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing is, too, is that after that 2004 season, the, the fifth fifth loss in a row, he actually got a, a pretty significant extension, if I remember correctly. I mean, I think that a lot of that had to do with recruiting, you know. But I speaking of which, you know, I, I feel like that's maybe where uh, maybe where the most damage is happening right now, though, for Strong, because let's say that he does, if he won out and, you know, if Texas finishes, what, 10-2? and two? If that's the case, like there, there's always now. It's the same thing that Les Miles was kind of under. I think with LSU was there's always now going to be so many whispers about his job stability. Now Les was still able to recruit because heck, it's it's LSU. It's in the middle of uh, Louisiana. I mean, it's you know teaming with uh, you know those guys who uh, you know four or five star recruits who you know I mean are you know pretty much locked in. You're the only game in town, but. You know, I think that's the other thing about it too. Is I mean, it, it, to a degree, it just feels like the whole thing with Strong right now is is even if he was doing well, he's being kind of just they're they're undercutting him or setting him up to fail at this point. Well, yeah, that's I think the biggest issue is that none of this helps, right? Yeah, <laughs> none of this helps in terms of the long run health of the program. But they're also at a point where the program's in a better place than it was when Strong got the job. I think that this is indisputable. Um, and I think we have to remember that the last couple of Mac Brown teams, they look like this on defense, too, at different points. If you watch the BYU game that got Manny Diaz fired, yeah. then you were really like, oh, okay, I've, I've, I've seen worse, actually, than we've seen right now. But in terms of talent, the program is in a much better place than it was before Charlie got the job done. Like, this has unquestionably, to me, been a positive for the long-run development of the University of Texas as a program. I agree with you, though. They're absolutely undercutting. And for recruiting, we'll see how it goes. Because if they were to win out, like maybe all the guys come, they're not going to win out. I mean, I, I, what I didn't understand was how people watched the Notre Dame game. And you had to be, I mean, there was some level of encouragement that it was time for optimism because he now had a quarterback. Like, that was the big yeah. one when I saw that game. And I was like, yeah, this looks like an eight-win team. Yeah. And I'm okay with an eight-win team. Like, I, I didn't think that an eight-win team in this season, given everything that was going on, was necessarily a bad thing. Now, the problem is, man, they still have all these ridiculous penalties, right? In this, yeah. more tackling and everything else. Like, there are all those things there. But I don't think now is the time to jump ship on it. But everybody's given the impression that they're going to jump ship. Yeah, yeah. And I'm with you. There was so much fool's gold in that Notre Dame game, especially when you consider like they were they, you know, they uh went away from Kaiser there in the first half and gave uh Zaire, you know, some of those uh series and whatnot. I mean, watching that game, my 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 first thought was, you know, Notre Dame really isn't all that great either, you know. I mean, so uh, there there's definitely a, a lot there, but you know, it's just the other thing, though, too, is you know it, it's what seven years now of just you know I, you know you've got this enormous fan base that is just dying to finally get back. You know, I mean, I think that anybody's willing to look for look at anything is kind of you know okay, here's a sign we're finally you know we're finally over the hump. Yeah, I also wonder though, like especially for right now, if Tom Herman doesn't exist. Like, in the world, yeah. if Tom Herman doesn't exist, how much different are these circumstances? Because 
Herman, look, if Texas Fire Strong doesn't hire Herman, it is a crippling embarrassment. Crippling oh, yeah. Yeah. embarrassment. And I, and I don't even know who you hire if you don't hire Herman. Like, I have, like, I have no idea who number two is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and it kind of, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of the whole uh, Saban flirtation the last time because I think that there was certainly, you know, a, the, a group or a faction there that, that looked at that and said, okay, you know, we're going to we're gonna get Nick Saban. Then all of a sudden you don't get Nick Saban and, uh, you know, whoever comes next is going to be, you know, a, a letdown. And I also wonder in retrospect, how exactly would the Saban thing have gone, right? Because they would have been restocking the talent. Like, I think if Saban was coaching all these children on defense this year, it would certainly be a better defense. But if you watch the sort of teams that Alabama struggles against, it seems with quarterbacks like Big 12 quarterbacks. I mean, no, Trevor Knight, they lost the game to Trevor Knight. <laughs> yeah. what, what exactly would have happened if Saban would have come to Texas? I don't have a great answer for that the more I think about it because this conference, as I've watched Strong struggle to adjust to the Big 12, what would the saving adjustment to the Big 12 be? Oh, I, I know, and that's kind of the, the funny thing about it is is watching, you know, around around the country, you know, I mean, the Big 12, you know, gets knocked for being a joke because, the you know, people say the lack of defense or, you know, I mean, and, and certainly the, the recruiting base now is smaller, the, you know, you're not, you don't have as many guys you can draw from, but... I mean, like I look at so many of these other programs out there, though that are, that are ranked really highly or whatever. And I mean, the the quality of the quarterback play, the quality of the offenses. I mean, it's just it's night and day. And I mean, like you know, you're seeing it with with Strong right now. I mean, how hard it is to adjust to to this style of play, and not just you know how how to defend it, but also what kind of what kind of offense you have to run yourself. And then on the back end of that, you got to think about okay, well, if I'm going to be running, you know, an up tempo spread offense, what is that going to do to my ability to even, you know, scheme defensively with my guys? I mean, you know, because they're if they're out there for you know eighty or ninety plays a game, it's just a completely different mindset. Yeah, and also this conference has. I don't think the quality of coaching in this conference gets nearly enough attention. Like, no. So we were looking at the conference. Last year, I guess we could even do it this year. I was going to do last year to throw Browns in, but I mean, Jim Grove won the ACC at Wake Forest, which is the smallest school in the FBS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, oh yeah. Not, not, not everyone can do that, right? But if you do it the last year, Browns at Baylor, Patterson at TCU, um, the jury I think is still out at Strong, on Strong, Stoops at Oklahoma, Gundy at Oklahoma State, Bill Snyder who pulled off one of the more amazing coaching jobs in the history of mankind. Yeah, yeah. What he's done up there. Holgerson quietly is on quite a roll yeah, there at yeah. West Virginia. I mean, that, there's a strong set of coaches in this conference. You're not just going to walk in and just scheme, you know, and out-scheme people. Yeah, oh no, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's, I mean, it's it's just such a, such a different thing. But um, I guess, you know... I mean, how is this going to play out in your mind? I mean, I've got to think, though, that if they do make a move, which is the way it looks, I mean, you know, at this point, you don't really put that kind of stuff out there unless you are in, intent on doing something. I mean, i got to think, though, they feel like Tom Herman would be in the bag, right? I think they feel like Tom Herman would be in the bag. I feel like Tom Herman probably should be in the bag. But what is the Texas head coaching job? in 2016-17 down the line. Because I 
think that if you were to ask this question, I guess about five years ago, we would all say unequivocally that Texas is the best head coaching job in America because it was in Texas. And we had seen the run that Matt Brown had had, basically getting every player from the state of Texas that he wanted. You know, you, you basically just got to pick and you were done recruiting. Uh, by the end of the summer, um, yeah. going into the following year, like all these things. But since the SEC West came into the state, I don't know what the quality of the job is at this point, because Texas is not just entitled to players in the ways that they were. I think they can attract some out-of-state guys. Charlie showed that early, you know, that first year where he couldn't get the high school coaches to participate in the process. Yeah. And go to Florida and everywhere else, you know, to get these players. But what is this job? Like, is LSU a better job than Texas? On one hand, you could argue yes, because it is probably easier to recruit at LSU now than it is at Texas. On the other side, you're in the SEC West, and it gets insanely competitive. So if you're Harmon and you got those two jobs in front of you, which one do you take? I guess he takes Texas because he has Texas connections. But, I mean, as we talked about the booster structure, is that something you want to put up with? That being said, there isn't a school in the world that has a booster structure anybody feels like putting up with. Yeah, well, yeah, that's and that's that's kind of the part of the job I think that all of them dread. But it does seem obviously like uh, it's uh, you know really kind of uh, out of control there at Texas. But um, I don't know, like you know, I guess uh, I guess looking around, you know, I, I guess the other the other thing I wanted to ask you about too is you know Dan mentioned also the idea, and he did actually did a, a long podcast on this the next day about it, where he he basically talked about you know kind of the impact that that you know hanging strong out to dry would have with you know the the black community uh, surrounding texas the alums the the coaching network um you know i, I mean do you think that that it it resonates that way well i think that that issue requires kind of walking back the history of the university of texas and the importance of you know, some things that had happened in the course of time. Remember, yeah. uh, the 1969 Texas team that won the national championship, uh, the last national champion with all white players. Um, the Texas-Arkansas games of legend in the Cotton Bowl in the late 1960s, Richard Nixon coming and all of that, those are all white games. Like, that's a very important part of tapestry of that history is that they're all white. And that was something that Texas had to deal with for a very long time. And it was a real problem through the 70s and the 80s and even persisted um, into the 1990s. I know of one very highly regarded recruit out of the state of Texas in the early 1990s who took his visit to UT. And he wound up not going because his host was an All-American at his position he went to the bathroom, explained to him that no N-word would be used in his bathroom. Yeah. Like, these are the things that Texas has had to deal with in recruiting for a while. Matt Brown, um, really, that era kind of steered people away from this perception of the University of Texas being this racist school. I mean, let's not forget this was a school with the Confederate statue on Yeah. Campus. You yeah. know, like, we don't think of it in that context, but I mean, that they're there at Texas. And so that was the thing that dogged them in recruiting for quite a while. And I could make the argument that Charlie Strong was the first coach to take the job at Texas without having to deal with the stigma of the racial history surrounding the school when he took it. The problem is he was the black dude, so then it all jumped up anyway because people were just like, you know, they're going to run him off the job, right? Yeah. You know, they're going to run him off the job. So I do think that there's something to consider, and they're about to make what I would call the Willingham mistake, which is 
literally every coach that you've had since Daryl Royal has got five years on that job. Yeah. He would be firing strong after three, which is the same thing Notre Dame, Notre Dame did with Willingham, but every coach in history has had five years and they fired him after three, and then White got five after. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's 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 uh, you know really the kind of the flashpoint of it but you know i mean at the same time too i mean you know it it's pretty damaging i think like i think when a guy like red mccombs is out there saying that you know strong is at, you know qualified as a position coach i mean this is a guy that had just won a bcs bowl two years earlier you know yeah no it's been, it hasn't been a good look and i think it's been one of the things about this era that's been kind of exhausting to watch from here is that there's been so much talk about like the speculation around Charlie and the job that everything that happens gets exacerbated, not simply because there are people who want Charlie to run off that job, but there are then also people who are on Charlie's side with, who are then like, but you know it's Texas. You know, how, you know what they're going to do with him at Texas. I don't think he's going to be able to survive. So then even the people who claim that they want Charlie to do well in this are as much as anybody else, like, feeding the cycle that's running them out. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, 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 every single thing becomes a referendum, you know? Like, I'm trying to think about how many games have really been, like, referenda since he got there. <laughs> like, last year, the games that I could count that were referenda. The Oklahoma game was a referendum. The TCU and Baylor games were referenda. Um... Somehow, because they had a good run at the end of 2014, that that Arkansas game wasn't a referendum. Thank goodness, because they got smoked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but there've been about three, four, five referendum games uh, there. And then here's another one, and it's funny because if Texas, say Texas beats Oklahoma State, or just at the very least they don't lose the game to Cal, right? Yeah. Let's say those things happen. We're talking about stoops right now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. In a very similar way that we're talking about Strong. The last, like, eight years of Stoops has been fascinating because I get into Stoops. If Stoops has a five-loss season, and there have been a couple of those, he knows next year we might want to win 11 or 12. Yeah. I know, I know, man. He's got alligator blood when it comes to that. You know, I mean, uh, absolutely. But, you know, he's another one, though, man. Like, you know, it's been funny because I, I think that, you know, and we talked about this, but he's had you know, a lot of heat kind of, uh, deflected, I think by everything that's been going on in Texas. Uh, you know, and it, and it, it does make me wonder, you know, if, if, you know, they make a change and Tom Herman's there, uh, man, that's really going to have the natives getting restless in Norman after that. I have a feeling. You know, in Oklahoma's a job, another one where I'm like, so what exactly is the Oklahoma job yes. in 2016? Because if the SEC West has made it harder for Texas to recruit in Texas, then we know it has for Oklahoma. Now, I know their 2017 class, they got more Texas commitments, but I think they only had, what, five last year yeah. from state of Texas, which is, like, insane yeah. to consider. But, I mean, what is the Oklahoma job? It'll never wind up in, like, the Nebraska place. Like, yeah. that'll never happen. It won't dial back to that point, but I don't know what you should reasonably expect of a head coach at Oklahoma. The tricky thing for Oklahoma fans is Texas has the Royal Era, and everybody's like chasing the Royal Era. Um, Up until now at Alabama, it was chasing the Bryant Era. Oklahoma's won with so many different people that there's no era they're chasing for because they're like, yo, we are Oklahoma. We win. We switch these guys out and bring new ones in all the time and win. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's funny because 
now, you know, you hear so much talk about, you know, fans wanting to go, wanting OU to go leave the Big 12 and go to the SEC. And, I mean, I think, eh, you know, I mean, I'm not sure if, if you really get what that entails and what how Oklahoma is competitively positioned relative to the rest of the SEC West being that, that geographic outlier being where they are, you know. I mean, it's... Uh, it, it, it's definitely, you know, the the whole landscape of it is, is all changing really quickly. Yeah, like if Oklahoma weren't an eight-hour drive from Houston, I would think the SEC would be something they would want to do. But it yeah. is an eight-hour drive from Houston, right? Yeah. So you're close, to, you know, you're close enough to the Metroplex and Northeast Texas, but they produce decent football players, but you really need to be getting a little farther south yeah. before you start talking about, like, you're going to be able to go into the SEC and the SEC can get into those places because LSU, four hours from Houston. Texas A&M, two hours from Houston. Like, that's that, that's a big part of this. Is like, where in Texas are you close to? Like, Arkansas is close to Texas, but Arkansas ain't close to no Texas to get no real football players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they've been one that I think is, if you look at it, you know, I'm sure that they like the prestige or whatever of the SEC, but, it, you know, I mean, their program since they left the Southwest Conference really hasn't done really much of anything. Right. Yeah. Like they can yeah. never go back. I've always said the worst thing for the Big Twelve is the fact that they have this obvious school that could compete in the Big Twelve, if for no other reason than Arkansas's got money, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, like, they are the prime candidate for the Big Twelve. Except they're just never gonna go to the Big Twelve. And I don't blame them for that. But they just never go back to the Big Twelve. I mean go back to the Big Twelve or any of that. It just never would happen, but they're a perfect fit. Oh yeah, oh no. I mean, yeah, there's there's absolutely no way. No way. Well, so uh man, well Bo, you know, I've I've had you I've had you on uh long enough. Obviously, I don't want to take up too much of your time, man, but uh you know, this is one of my favorite podcasts. I'm I'm really glad we're able to fit this in every year and everything because uh you know, uh I I love talking cuz you you know, you have such a great uh you know, kind of affinity for the rivalry and the history and everything, man, and I am uh you know, uh, you know, it it is a great show every single year. So I really appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, dude, I absolutely love coming on with it. Like, this is my single favorite sporting event of the year. Like, lock the world away so they don't see me embarrass myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I behave wholly and totally irrationally as watching the television. Like, this is like for people who don't know this, I'm in this interesting situation where I grew up in Texas, but my mother is from Oklahoma. <laughs> so. I am in a very interesting place with this bizarre rivalry. So, like, it, it, it's funny because I have all my Oklahoma fan friends. I have very civil relationships with them, even about the football. Like, except for one. I got one friend where we have a very combative relationship <laughs> about this. But, but, like, but, like, somehow I am civil with people about this, in spite of the fact that I'm totally uncivil when the actual game takes place. Oh, yeah, tell me about man. Last year I was trying to watch it in a restaurant, and uh, I mean, half to, I just, all my friends, I just had to get up and leave, man. I just was like, guys, I'm out. I can't, I can't, I can't do this, man. <laughs> like, I just, I had no choice, man. I know, I know. I came back here. I went down to my basement, turned the TV on, and like, uh, you know, sat here in the dark and watched it because I was just like, ah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well. Well, Bo, hey, thanks a lot, man. Again, stay safe with the. Sounds like you're you're missing the uh, the worst of the weather, but stay safe anyway, man. 
Yeah, it sounds like if I was two counties up, it would be a problem. So fingers crossed. I think we're going to make it through tonight, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, really no. no, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And uh, everybody, uh, Bomani Jones, make sure to uh, tune in uh, weekdays from 4 to 7 Eastern to uh, the right time with Bomani Jones. And also check him out uh, on uh, Highly Questionable on ESPN. Uh, and thanks a lot for joining us. For the Blatant Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.